Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson here with you on this Tuesday edition. We've been ranking a lot, Matt. We've been looking at your rankings. Today, we don't have your rankings. And by the way, if anybody wants to go back and hear about Matt Williamson's rankings on the, the last week or so's podcast, we did safeties, we did uh, edge players, we did one more. Yep. What position did running we backs, Running backs. Running the first one. Yeah, and yep. running backs. So go back and listen to those. You can also find Matt's work at profootballnetwork.com where he ranked those. And you can read along as you listen along and hear some of our explanations and, and how I feel about his list as well. Today, I think we should take a look at somebody else's lists, since this is the the list yeah. season, apparently, around the NFL right now. This is an interesting one that you sent me, and I like this a lot, and I like the way Mike Clay, um, I, I just like the way he operates. I, I like reading a lot of the oh, stuff yeah. he does over at ESPN, and he ranked units, team units, so not just individual players, so for example, quarterback units around the league, which obviously when you look at quarterbacks, it's all about who the starter is, but some other position groups, it's a collection of players and talents, so uh, I I like this unit rankings that we have here from Mike Clay, so let's get into that and maybe talk what we like, what we don't like about his list and who the best and worst teams are at different position groups around the NFL. Yeah, I mean, despite living on the the wrong side of Pennsylvania, Mike Clay's a real good dude. (laughs) I saw him (laughs) Uh, we we overlapped at ESPN for a while there. He was just coming in. So we did three or four fantasy summits together, which is a really fun exercise. And we were two of the voters for where ESPN fantasy ranks would be. So I got to know him a little bit through that. Does great work. Um, so like I said, he tallies them all up at the end too, which he doesn't weight quarterbacks more than other positions, but it gives you an idea of who has the most well-rounded mm-hmm. rosters. So Let's, let's kind of go with the tops and bottoms in each category. Does that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. I like that. And this and, and his rankings aren't fantasy-based, even though he does a lot of fantasy work at ESPN. Exactly. Yeah, yeah this is not fantasy-related. And I, I think his quarterback position ranks puts a little bit of weight on the number two quarterback, the backups, because you can see when we get to it, the number three team might startle people a little bit, but their quarterback room is really good. Yeah, that's interesting because if you're going to rank units, you have to weight the backups. If you know, and if nothing else, even a tiebreaker, right? If yeah. the backup, if the starters are really close and you're having a tough time, okay, let's see what two and three is, and that could give you an opportunity to rank one team over the other. Um, really quick before we get into that, Yannick Ngakwe, who obviously is in a tough situation, wants out of Jacksonville. He fired his agent this week, and now, according to Mike Garofolo. Uh, Jaguars GM Dave Caldwell says that he has spoken in the last few days to franchise tagged Yannick Ngakwe, who has fired his agent. But as for whether he'll report to camp, Dave Caldwell's not for sure on that. He says, uh, quote, that's for Ngakwe to discuss. So we don't know if he's going to show up, but he fired his agent, which makes me think and checked in with the Jaguars, which makes me think maybe there might be some movement potentially with Ngakwe, whether he's like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to show up and, and I need to, to play at some point this season, or if he just tried to grease the wheels a little bit in a potential trade and maybe showing up and showing some good faith or, or showing up at least in a conversation and, and talking to the GM maybe might help things along, and who knows. Maybe we'll see Ngakwe show up in Jaguars camp or in another team's camp soon. Right, and he was uh, like 17th or 16th of my edge rankings. I mentioned some things along the way, like, boy, wouldn't it be fun especially if they were playing with leads, which probably won't happen a whole heck of a lot, <laughs> that if you could see 
you know, you know, uh, Chase on Young and Ndokwe all on the field together, rushing the passer from all over, stand up positions, maybe inside. Um, but I, my hunch is the Jags are asking a lot for him, which he's worth a lot, but he's not worth the two firsts, you know, yeah. Adams Mac type guy. Um, I assume you have to pay him if you're going to trade for him too. So it's that double edged sword. But if you're, you know, Seattle or New England, someone thinks they're a contender but doesn't have much in the way of pass rush, he's not a terrible option. But I guess he's really competing with Everson Griffin and Jadavian Clowney, both of whom were on my list as well. And you don't have to pay, give up a draft pick to get right. those guys. Yeah, that's a great point. So who's going to overpay for Ngakwe in this situation and pay him a lot of money and a long-term deal when you can get maybe a one-year deal done with someone who could give you just as much production potentially as Ngakwe? So it's a tough spot both Jaguars and Ngakwe are in currently, and the current environment makes it even tougher, I think. Yeah, and unfortunately, some edge guys will get hurt between now and the season and or even between now and the trade deadline, and maybe he's the first call at that point. Mike Clay's unit rankings. Let's start with quarterbacks. We got to jam through these if we're going to hit all of them. Um, Kansas City ranks as the best quarterback unit in the NFL. Uh, I have no problems with that. And really, this should rank extremely heavily when it comes to the starting quarterback. But the backups do show up here. You mentioned number three. He has the Seattle Seahawks at number two. Number three, the New Orleans Saints. Number four, Baltimore. Number five, Houston. What do you think about that at the top? Uh, I don't have a lot of qualms with it at all. Uh, I mean, I am a Winston believer still. I think Taysom Hill factors in here, but I still wouldn't have them three. I mean, I just would, you can have all the backups you want. I'd still rather play (laughs) against the Saints quarterbacks than the Ravens. Right. How about Daniel Jeremiah? Yeah, I was going to say Daniel Jeremiah, I just saw today ranked. Carson Wentz is his number three quarterback going into the 2020 season. And obviously there's projection when you're looking ahead at what's going to happen this season. And, you know, things look much differently one year later than what we thought was going to happen in the 2019 season. Obviously, Baltimore wouldn't rank as high on a list like this. But Carson Wentz or the, the Philadelphia Eagles here are number eight. And I know you're a big Wentz believer. Are you closer to where Daniel Jeremiah has Wentz ranked or where most people have Carson Wentz and, and Mike Clay here has the Philadelphia quarterbacks ranked that uh, closer to the bottom of the top 10. I think he's my sixth quarterback in the league right now, and I'm expecting a huge year from him. I thought he was great last year, despite not having wide receivers. So, which leads me to my qualm here, and maybe we don't get through this all and have to overlap for tomorrow. Who knows? I, I, I get long-winded. but I, I tend to think I we're going to have to do offense today and maybe defense yeah, tomorrow. I, I know how fine. this is going to go. But, yeah. I can't put Tom, I can't put the Bucks at number six. I mean, say what you want about Brady, but they have nothing else in that quarterback room. I mean, that's the the least depth in the league almost. He's old and he's coming off a not so great year. So that's the one rank I see at the top that I would much rather have the Eagles room, Dallas's room with Dalton as a backup. Um, several of these rooms. I'd rather the Lions. You know, I, I can't put the Bucks that high. David Blau, how much does he change things for you with the Lions <laughs> at number 12? <laughs> it's funny because there's some of those where it's like, man, um, when you look at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh at 11, Detroit at 12, those are the two I look at where I think about those teams and, and how they performed last year. I'm thinking Duck Hodges and David Blau were quarterbacking for those two franchises last year. <laughs> right. You know, how much right. different is that with Stafford and Big Ben this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of these ones at the bottom 
are bad but not hideous. Indianapolis at 15 is odd because they added Phillip Rivers to a quarterback that is a start. So like essentially they have two starting caliber players, even if, you know, one of them might be a dirty starter, depending on how you feel about that entire group. They added a rookie to it. Indianapolis at 15 is one that's interesting to me because I feel like they should be higher if you're really weighing the two, three situation. And they have a guy who's, you know, potentially going to get Hall of Fame votes as the starter right now. That's a good point. I mean, if you're going to put the Saints at three, Indy should probably be higher because I think Brissett and Winston are my two favorite backups in the league, maybe Mariota, that could get back into starting land before you know it. Both the quarterbacks, I'd rather have Breeze and Rivers, don't get me wrong, but they also have Eason. You know, at least that carries a little bit of weight. I just have a lot of doubts about Rivers. Yeah, that depends how how strong you feel about Rivers there, where you're going to rank the Indianapolis Colts. I might put them over 14 with Cousins and the gang there. Um, Arizona, Kyler Murray, is he going to take that jump? 13, you know, you're projecting a little bit already there. Then you get to Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Detroit. I don't think I could put them over that. So, yeah, maybe only one or two spots for Indianapolis would be uh, where I would rank them higher. Um, Looking at the end here, Carolina, Jacksonville, Chicago. The Bears added a quarterback and are still 32 on this list. Yeah, I did a video today about the Bears. Check that out on my Twitter timeline. Basically saying, I think Trubisky is going to be the starter. I think those two are going to go back and forth. They're going to be constantly searching for a quarterback all year. And in the end, as is the case, pretty much my entire lifetime, the Bears won't have a franchise quarterback when the offseason rolls around. They would be an easy 32 for me. Some of these ones at the bottom, though, have some promise. Rams at 22, Buffalo at 23. That's going to make some uh, some Rams and Bills fans angry. Yeah. I think Goff is better. Like, I think Goff is better than Daniel Jones, who's ahead of him here. I think that guy gets a little bit of a bum deal, but I think Allen is properly ranked here. I give Mike a lot of credit for putting him because I think most people would probably have Buffalo's quarterback room 15th ish, you know, in that indie neighborhood. And I would not. All right. We'll finish up the, the offensive units here. Running backs coming up next. This is Matt and I critiquing Mike Clay of ESPN's list of units around the league. I think this is a fun exercise, and I think some of these other position groups, when the backups start to weigh a little bit more, are going to be a little bit more interesting. It's ranking season coming up, Locked On NFL. Okay, Matt, running back units in the NFL. Again, this is the entire unit, the entire room of running backs on NFL rosters. Coming in at number, number one, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and this is fresh on my mind because I just ranked the top 25 running backs. I think this is an easy one because I had Hunt, I think, is my 11th-ish running back. And I had Chubb 6th, I think. And Chubb could maybe be 3. I mean, he's a great runner. And he could be an 1,800-yard rusher this year if Hunt weren't in the mix. I think Chubb's a stud. They complement each other, and Hunt is such a great backup because he can be the third down roll. If Chubb gets hurt, he can be the every down roll. Yeah, yeah, good point. New York Giants coming in at number two, heavily weighted towards Saquon Barkley. The Carolina Panthers are at three. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I'm a little shocked. I mean, I put McCaffrey over Barkley. They were one and two on my list. Nothing behind either, though. 
Dallas has a little something behind Zeke Elliott. They come in at number four and to finish up the top five is Minnesota. Yeah, Pollard might be enough for me to put Dallas over Carolina or the Giants. I don't think Madison, who I think is a really good player, because I just don't think Cook is quite in the stratosphere with McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott. So I'm cool with Minnesota five, but I might put Dallas two because Pollard's an interesting player. I'm looking at units and and which one of these units might be a little too high, a little bit too low. Number eight, Denver. I, I think they're number one. Doesn't rank super high on a list, but yeah. you know they've got some depth there and, and they've got a little bit of everything. I like Denver's backfield. I don't know if I'd put them ahead of Green Bay and New Orleans who are seven and six though. Denver would be a tough one for me because like you mentioned the ones right ahead of them. And I definitely would have the Saints ahead of Denver because I think their one is better than their one and the depth is comparable. Um, Cincinnati and Tennessee, I mean, I'd much rather have Mixon or Henry than Gordon, but then it drops off with those two. So I think that's about right at eight, and that's a big boost for them. I mean, that's, that's uh, it makes Locke's life a lot easier, who you know, they were very low on the, the quarterback list. Denver was 28th, and they're going to need some running back help. Again, Indianapolis maybe a little too low to me when you consider the entire room. They're at 13 here. I would take Indianapolis's running backs easily over Seattle, who's ranked ahead of them. And yeah. um, maybe depending on what Taylor ends up looking like, potentially over some of these other running back groups ahead of him too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if Taylor is a similar player to Chubb, who I think that's a good comparison for him in the league. I prefer Chubb, but not by tons. And you have Mac, and you have um, what's his face, the receiving back, Naheem Hines. Maybe next year, Indy's in that one, two, three neighborhood. Although Mac could could leave. Bottom of the list here, according to ESPN's Mike Clay, running back groups in the NFL: thirty Miami. They're a little hard on my squad here, by the way. <laughs> I know thirty Miami, thirty-one wow. Pittsburgh, and right. thirty-two Chicago. Chicago coming in. Dead last quarterback and running back so far, but Pittsburgh 31. What do you think? I thought that was a little harsh. I mean, I know Connor's very hard to trust, and the people behind him aren't household names, and I don't love them. I kind of like McFarland, but Connor, when he's right, is pretty darn good. Like Tampa 27, I'd rather the Steeler backs than Tampa's. I'm looking at San certainly over Miami's. Our team's not not getting any credit here. I'm looking at San Francisco at 26. I mean, we do like D, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they've got three <laughs> starting caliber running backs, potentially, if everyone's healthy. Um, and at 32, Chicago, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen. Like, if I'm building a franchise, I have no problem if I go into season with Montgomery and Cohen. Like, I, I'm not worried about that. So that's when you talk about running backs don't matter, the worst unit in the league, you're like, ah, I'm fine. If you're the worst unit in the league at quarterback, you're screwed. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't love Jacksonville at 20. I think that's a little too high. And I really don't like the Patriots at 21. I mean, I don't think Michelle's a good player. They signed Lamar Miller, by the way. They, they did sign Lamar Miller. Does that keep, make him a little no. higher? So you think New England's too high at 21? They would be near the bottom. I mean, I think New England, I'd rather the Lions in New England, and the Lions are 28. I'd rather your Niners. Yeah, I'd rather I'd the rather Eagles. Niners. I mean, White's fine, but I think he's a, a, something that Tom Brady created out of thin air. He's <laughs> a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk wide receivers here, Matt. Alrighty. The Dallas Cowboys, they surprisingly had CD Lamb fall into their lap 
with the 17th pick in the first round of the draft. And I think that just adds to a couple of really good receivers they already had there. Uh, it's hard to argue they don't have the best one, two, three in the NFL coming into the season. I think the three is the key there for for this conversation because there's some good pairings for sure that we'll probably get to here that are all near the top. I kind of think that seven or eight of these teams at least have a case, but I would have Dallas one as well. And I I think Gallup's a very good player and doesn't, it kind of has been overlooked with Lamb showing up, but I think Gallup's a really good player. I don't know where Tampa, I don't know who's Tampa, Tampa Bay's number three actually right now, but their one and two is the best one and two in the league with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You add Tom Brady that mix, uh, that's going to be a fun team. I can't wait to see how that offense comes together. But uh, yeah, Tampa too. I I like the one, two here. And then they have Arizona Cardinals who added a a true number one wide receiver to a current Hall of Famer and a bunch of other dudes there. Um, They've got numbers down to five or six at wide receiver, which I think is how Cliff Kingsbury likes it. Arizona at three, though. That seems a little rich to me. Um, I think Atlanta isn't far off in terms of what you just said about Tampa as a really solid two, you know, top two and then not much else. Mm -hmm. I think Cleveland's in that conversation. I think New Orleans is in that conversation where they're all just kind of hurting for the number three. But I'll take Kansas City higher than seventh. I mean, to me, Tyreek... Tyreek might be the best receiver in the league. Like, I'm not sure he'd be my vote, but I think he could make a case that he changes the game more than anyone. Hardman, Watkins, Robinson. I mean, that's a right. that's a killer group. No, that's a great point. I I I put Kansas City at three at least here. Three. I, I put him over Arizona, yeah. and I like the one two of Tampa better, but I like the one two three of Kansas City better. Oh, I agree. They would be my three. I'd go Dallas, Tampa, KC? Question mark. Bottom of the list here, 32, Washington, 31, Baltimore, 30, New York Jets. I don't have any qualms with those. I mean, I love McLaurin, but that's all they got. Um, I have really high hopes for Marquise Brown. There's a good chance both those guys will be on my fantasy team this year, but they're highly unproven in Baltimore. And the Jets... Jets are okay. I mean, they don't have anything resembling a one, though. Yeah, I might put the Jets 32, actually. Really? Because there's just a... You have to hope. I mean, that's... I like Denzel Mims, too. Like, if you don't like Denzel Mims, then they're easily 32. Because you're hoping he The other one, and I picked on him at running back, New England's receivers aren't good. Right. Uh, New England might be 32 as well. Like, are are we just assuming that... Edelman's going to remain a force. I mean, I right. feel like he's held together with duct tape. Age, injury, and a different quarterback that's not going to pepper the slot nearly as much as Tom Brady did, I would imagine. I would think, right. Uh, New England Nobody would be <laughs> in contention for last. Like, New England would kill for McLaurin. Here's or one, even Crowder. Here's one we didn't talk about yet. And by the way, Miami's is, is not great either. So I, I could see the argument for them yeah. for 32. An they had two guys opt out of that position, too. Oh, yeah. Las Vegas, they're at 29 here, but they double and triple dipped at wide receiver in the draft. If you consider Lynn Bowden a wide receiver, and he's kind of a hybrid running back wide receiver who will, I'm sure will be split out a lot even when he is on the field. Reports are that Brian Edwards, the third rounder, who was picked back-to-back with Lynn Bowden in round three, might be the starter in a future. Like they, Everyone's super high 
in Las Vegas training camp already with Brian Edwards. And oh yeah, they drafted the, the, the first wide receiver in the draft in Henry Ruggs, who I saw make a nice catch in training camp in limited video. Uh, this Las Vegas wide receiver group at 29 here could be a lot higher in years to come. Agreed. I even said right after the draft that I think Edwards will lead the Raiders in catches in 2021. You know, I, I don't know about this year. Tyrell Williams doesn't really excite me. Yeah, I mean, he's um, an all right ex-ride receiver. You know, he can get deep for uh-huh. you. you know, he's a starting caliber guy, Hunter Renfro in the slot. So they yeah. go four or five deep. I like Las Vegas's chances of of climbing. I just don't know what to expect from him right away. Yeah, I don't know that Ruggs will ever be a high-volume guy. And there's talk about him playing the slot, which is interesting because yeah. that's kind of a slap to Renfro, but it's also a compliment to Edwards, who would be the outside guy with Williams. Did I ever throw this one at you? I threw this out on Twitter the other day. Ruggs touched the ball as a Alabama Crimson Tide player 100 times in games, which isn't that much. He scored 25 touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> I think we talked about this uh, right <laughs> right before, right after the draft. It's an, it's an amazing statistic. I covered Henry Ruggs a lot for Locked On 49ers because he was one of those players that, that oh, people yeah. thought might get selected there in the middle of round one after the DeForest Buckner trade. And his efficiency was off the charts and I think Ruggs because of his speed doesn't get credit for some toughness and I think he can run after the catch a little bit and he didn't get utilized in the slot because the slot snaps went to some other receivers there so he mostly worked outside I think that's a great way to maximize Ruggs's ability to play um, outside and inside and Edwards is Edwards can move around too but he's you know your traditional big bodied sort of wide receiver and, you know, it hurt him that he didn't get a chance to work out in the draft. So he fell a little bit. He was one of the obvious steals. I think when when you saw him go in round three versus some of the guys that went a lot earlier, I thought, OK, well, that, that's a great draft pick. And uh, that's turning out to be absolutely the case. And so that that's going to be a fun group. And once Tyrell Williams is gone, I think you have two guys who obviously start outside and, and you can mix a match and move them inside if you want. Hunter Renfro obviously is a, is a pure slot receiver. So you can mix and match quite a bit there with that group. It's going to be a fun wide receiver room to watch develop. Yeah. Next couple of years, you, you, you nailed it. And I agree. I don't think Ruggs is just Ted Ginn. You know I mean? I think right. he can run a slant, break an arm tackle, take it to the house. They he's weren't tough. all long bombs on those 25 touchdowns. He's tough. And he's got a 42 inch vertical and ball skills to go up and get the ball too, which is a pretty important yeah. aspect of, of his really game. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Tight ends and offensive line units in the NFL coming up. Let's go tight ends first here. And 49ers fans going to be mad, but you can't get mad when you're talking about the entire room of tight ends because Zach Ertz might be, you know, probably number three tight end in the NFL. And Dallas Goddard, some people think might be as good or better if he was able to win that starting job or ended up somewhere else as a pure starter. So Philadelphia comes in number one, and then the next two are, are pretty obvious. It's going to be the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs with uh, the two best tight ends in the NFL with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. This is how I would rank them too, but it wasn't a podcast long ago that I said, and you didn't give me a whole lot of objection. I think George Kittle's the best offensive player in the league, non-quarterback. So while I would have the Niners too, if Howie Roseman called you up and said, hey, we'll give you uh, Ertz and Goddard for that Kittle guy, are you up for it? Yeah, that's see, that's the question. So if, <laughs> yeah, if your you answer yeah. is no... And I would probably turn that down and say, I'll stick with George Kittle. And that tells me you got to keep the 49ers at one, no matter who the backups are. And they they don't have great depth at at tight end. Right, right. I mean, it's kind of like, well, if 
The Panthers called up the Browns and said, I'll give you McCaffrey for Chubb and Hunt. Will you say yes? You know, yeah. uh, think about it. <laughs> you know, I can only play so many of these guys. How about this? Tampa Bay at four with Rob Gronkowski, one of the all-time greats at the position, a first-rounder in O.J. Howard, talent through the roof. Oh, yeah, and they still got Cameron Braid at tight end in Tampa. I'm fine with it. But originally when I looked at it, I said, I object, because I'm the biggest Gronk guy in the world. But he was just okay two years ago, didn't play last year. But he's only 31. I mean, we talk about this guy like he's 38 years old, like him and Brady or came in the league the same year. I mean, he's only <laughs> 31. And I do think the key is what you mentioned. I mean, if Brayton Howard are your two and three, that's a pretty good room. Absolutely it is. Have you gotten any reports or seen any photos of recent Gronk at Camp Gronk with how much weight he's put back on? Because I know he lost a lot of weight when he didn't mm. play. No, I mean... I, I have no idea on that one. Number five bugs me a little bit, though, the Vikes. And I, I'm a huge Irv Smith fan. He's one of my my many young tight ends that I'm excited about. But Kyle Rudolph, is a he's a total jag. He's just a guy, man. <laughs> I mean, I would take the three Browns over him, even though I don't think any of those guys are special, or the two Rams, or... Uh, I mean, some of these guys... It doesn't do much for me. I'll definitely take Andrews. You know, Andrews is more of a difference maker. There's there's not uh, – Rudolph just doesn't carry a lot of weight for me. At the bottom of the list, we have number 32, Washington. Number 31. Real quick. Oh, yeah, sure. If I were ranking every unit of every team in the league, the Redskins tight ends would be last. <laughs> it's the worst unit in football? That's okay, horrendous. Well, uh, let's see. Where is New England now with a couple of third rounders in the mix? They they have them. Uh, Mike Clay has them ranked at number 31. I would have them 30 over Arizona. Arizona is not far off for worst position group at any position they, in the entire league. Like they barely employ a tight end. Right. Yeah. Dallas 29. Jarwin could be okay. I mean, in that neighborhood, at least there's some young guys that are have potential. Although I don't like that Cincy crew. I, I don't think, uh, what's his face, the guy they drafted in the second round is one of those young tight ends with a high upside. Kid out of Washington, I forget his name. He's a blocker. There's no tight ends to even be like, oh man, they have this tight end. He's going to be really good. This team should be higher. It's hard to find those. So I think there's a lot that could be. Like I think Jonu Smith's got a chance to be really good. I think Jay Sternberger's got a chance to be really good. Um, I think Herndon's got a chance. Gasecki. I don't understand Chicago at 16. I mean, Jimmy Graham is done, and Cole Komet is okay. And I don't understand Houston at 21. They'd be near the bottom for me, too. I mean, Fells is fine, but, I mean, 21st, they'd be in my bottom five. Essentially, all those groups are bad, so let's move on because they're not worth talking about. To me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And by the way, yeah, uh, Mike Clay does name Washington as the shakiest group there. Oh. It's horrendous. How about offensive lines, Matt? The Colts. The Colts are the Colts are a powerhouse team. Like they rank high uh just about everywhere so far. And even I think they should be higher in a couple of cases. Indianapolis Colts have the best offensive line in the NFL, according to Mike Clay. The New Orleans Saints, who I would have at number one, comes in at number two, and the Dallas Cowboys at number three with Green Bay and Philly behind them. Yeah, I think the Saints are one. And a pretty decisive one. I probably would put the Colts too. So kind of splitting hairs here. Um, I got to admit though, I mean, 
the next group, Dallas, Green Bay, Philly, Cleveland, Baltimore, even Tennessee, a lot of those have some holes that I might look at New England at nine, your Niners at 10, even my Steelers at 11, and definitely the Raiders at 12 as better than the five teams ahead of them. I could see that. I can make the arguments for the 49ers. I would guess why the 49ers are 10 and not higher is because they were better run blocking unit than a pass blocking unit last year. They were pretty average as pass blockers, but they did upgrade from Joe Staley to Trent Williams, which is, you know, it's hard for me to say because Joe Staley meant so much to the 49ers organization for a long time, but uh, younger and a higher ceiling. If Trent Williams is still Trent Williams, then the 49ers actually got better on the offensive line and are already one of the best run blocking groups in the NFL. Yeah, and the Raiders would be like three or four for me. He has them twelfth. Yeah, New England. If I mean they have a they have me and you playing right tackle right now. So I mean after the opt out of Cannon, but if they had him, he'd be in my top five too. At the bottom of the offensive line units, number thirty two Cincinnati, thirty one Miami, and thirty Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, and even taking a step further, Arizona's right above those. Minnesota's right above them. And they all deserve to be at the bottom, but at least they've all made some efforts out over the last two drafts and free agency, and they're addressing the problem. That's just a really terrible business to be in, to be offensive line needy and going into a draft and an offseason and a free agency period, knowing you have to add one, two, three starters on the O-line, you're swimming upstream. I mean, that is a really tough business model. Looking over this list again, yeah, you're right. 12 for Las Vegas. I think that's one of the most egregious things Mike Clay has done so far in all of these rankings on offense. Las Vegas is uh, quite a few spots too low here. Another one I think is a little low, but not as egregious in the same neighborhood. I think you add Tristan Wirfs to the Bucs. That 14 is going to... I bet the Bucs are ranked a lot higher next year. And some of that's because Brady gets the ball out and, you know, does things like that. But that, that line's pretty good. Ali Marpet and those guys. And I'll wrap this up with this thought with the offensive side of the ball. I think Mike Clay is not considering and projecting rookies a lot in these rankings because you're seeing teams that could be a lot better and have a really young piece in there. We talked about the Raiders wide receivers. You just mentioned Tampa's offensive line. He's not giving them a lot of credit for the rookies quite yet. And I think in today's environment, that's smart. Most rookies, uh, offensive line takes a little while. Pass rushers, wide receivers, quarterbacks, those positions take a little while. So projecting a lot from a rookie is probably a fool's errand. Right, right. I mean, uh, a team like the Giants that has an early tackle or the Browns that has an early pick. I mean, I, I get it, but what do you really expect out of them? So go yell at Mike Clay if you don't like those lists. Uh, say nice things to Matt at Williamson NFL or me at BD Peacock. Get those Twitter Thursday questions in early. Be back tomorrow looking at the defensive side of the ball right here. Locked on NFL.